Amen. I'm reading from the book of Leviticus, and um, I'll read a couple of different versions just for a, a bit of clarity. Of Leviticus chapter 10, please. And, um, if you're hunting a little bit, that's in the, the front of the Bible start. Genesis, Exodus. And then you're, then you're there. Got it? It's good. If you really still don't know where it's at, uh, just... Go to the front and just act like you're confident that you know where you're at. Just kind of do like that to your neighbor. I got it. And just look at the screen. You'll know exactly what's being said. And kind of look down at your Bible because you're in Nahum. And then look back up. Nobody will know the difference. Uh, verse number one. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon. So the fire, the coals go first and then, and then the incense. And the coals would heat up the, the incense, um, which was perhaps more static material and it had fragrance here's the next line and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord then Moses said unto Aaron this is it that the Lord spake saying I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. Aaron held his peace. I'll read it again. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, added incense, and they offered unauthorized, strange fire. Everyone say strange fire. Unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. They died before the Lord. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will show myself holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. And Aaron remained silent. Now, Lord, just do your work that you do. Speak and let us receive the word. We bring our praise, but we also bring our honor. We bring our worship, but Lord, we also bring our reverence before you. We recognize you are a holy God and you will be honored. So I pray, Lord, let your divine word do its perfect work, a surgery, if so be, so that our hearts would be right with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And all the people said amen. I turned to someone close and just say that you're a beautiful person.
For those who might journey back into the excerpt from this Torah, this um, succession of books, just remember that the distance between one verse and another is not always measured in succinct time. So days and months, even years, can separate one verse from another. In the greater context of Leviticus, we come to know that the order of the tabernacle and its function was occurring. We know that the service of the tabernacle was in play for roughly 40 years, not quite 40 years. It took time for the articles and curtains and the gold to be beaten into their submissive forms. We are not privy to the length of time that they journeyed from Sinai to the continual order of the sacrifices made on that now fully completed altar which stood in the outer courtyard. So from, from the time of the great escape of the Red Sea, um, they, will, they will spend three days until they get to Mara, and the water will become, the bitter water will become sweet, and then from there they'll be at Sinai. But we're not sure the, the time between Sinai, where the law was given, and when they were functioning in sacrifices on the altar in the now completed tabernacle. We, we know that men, however, were appointed to serve in very specific roles, all of which were recognized by the congregation for their various garments and colors, the sash and ornaments, the priest, the attendants. Aaron's introduction to the priesthood, being the high priest that he was, occurred much earlier in chapter um, 10, he in chapter 9, he and his sons, we, we know four of them, four sons were named. They were elected to minister before the Lord in, in a most unambiguous fashion. Their duties were by design. Everyone knew it. It was by protocol because even before the tabernacle was completed, there was much training and dedication given to all of the various functions of the tabernacle. Not only in precision how it was made, but who would tear it down, who would put it back up, the following of, of the cloud of glory, how everything was carried. All of this was by order, repeatable function and particularities. The fire from the altar was kept. Once it began, according to the commandment, it was to be managed and nurtured, not to go out. It was the fire from the altar of the burnt offerings, the smoke from that fire that burned the sacrifice, rose into the sky like, like a, a perfect form, without waver or interruption, as if it existed in a contained clear cylinder. 
The fire which burned the sacrifice was to be placed into the censers, and each man would carry his own censer. Then the incense was then to be put on top of the coals of fire, displacing the aroma as they walked throughout. Now some historians, a school of thought, writes that this was Nadab and Abihu's first day on the job. It is conjecture, we're not sure. Even so, those that uh, retain that thought point to the many months of practice and preparation before the day came for those two sons of Aaron, priest no less, So they would know how to operate the fire and the censers, the incense and the function. They would know what to do before they went into the most holy place. Now there are other historians which point to a time lapse between the last verse of chapter 9, the first verse of chapter 10. Uh, They will note that not all events occurred in a chronological time sink. That there's a space in between. There's time in between. They're supporting evidence for the second thought. Whatever the case may be. Nadab and Abihu had grown up in the familiar trappings of the first family of Israel. Their father was critical to the nation. He was, or at least began as the spokesperson for Moses, even before Pharaoh. Their aunt, Miriam, held prominence among the women, and she was obviously a worship leader and a songwriter and a musician. And of course, their uncle Moses was the lawgiver. He parted the Red Sea and returned from Mount Sinai with his face glowing, having been in the presence of the Lord for 40 days. So Nadab and Abihu sat at the head table. They were intimately involved in the family affair and in leadership. They were witness to both the plagues that ravaged Egypt and to the escape, the miraculous escape of the Red Sea. And I would submit to all of you that their inclusion into the priestly family was simply by virtue of bloodline, certainly not by integrity. Mm -hmm. I cannot determine the school of thought correctly. I'm not exactly sure whether the last verse of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10 are separated by a day. It seems that this might be one of those moments when many days, maybe even months, had passed and separated those two verses. That they had done this before. But if a single day separates them, then the first thought of the scholars offer notable training that had to take place before each purpose and position was ordered as the Lord had said. And to that verse of, of Leviticus 10, we're all privy to the flagrancy of those two men, Nadab and Abihu. You see, taking coals from the burnt offering, the altar of the burnt offering was inconvenient because of the way it was built. The shape and the dimensions of the altar was seven and a half feet square all around. It was four and a half feet tall. The sides of it were acacia wood, but it was covered with bronze so that the wood would not burn up and that the flames and the fire could be contained. There was a solid bronze gate which suspended from rings at each corner halfway down. Kind of The, the top of it would have looked like a large maybe barbecue grill. 
At each corner was an ornamental horn signifying strength and security. Those four horns pointed northward, south, east, west, and they served as a reminder that salvation was coming or would come from the Lord. There is the altar of sacrifice. It's the burnt offering of sacrifice. To get the coals, a man would have to climb onto the top of that area, the grill. There were steps that led up to it. That bronze hovering gate and then reach in perhaps with tongs and somehow take out the coal piece by piece. It was work and it was messy. In fact, the whole area of the altar burnt offering or sacrifice was very messy. Coals and blood and sinew and flesh and the removal of the animal. So to do it, it was, it was taxing. And then if they... If they got all that mess on their clothes, they had to change their clothes. Reaching in to grab, find some coals of fire, some burning uh, coal still hot. And then they had to change again before they entered any place in the tabernacle. Thus the job, the duty, was more than just burning incense. The fragrance was that of the apothecary. It was unique it was, it was not the ointment, but it, it, it held a very similar aroma. The coals came from the altar, the burnt offering. The censers were individual, and the getting of it was, was work. It took time and effort. But to start a fire somewhere else, behind your house, behind your tent, wherever, and put coals into your censer, well, that was a lot less work. No grime or soot on the garment. You didn't have to reach into a pit, have to climb anywhere, but by whatever means that meant fire all burns the same. So to the rational mind, the fragrance would smell the same. I can't say what went through their mind. Who knows the rationale of anyone who defies the word of God? I I don't even know why people would defy the word of God. But the Bible says that they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not to do, which means they knew what they were doing. They knew when they excused themselves out of obedience, like so many people have done, that they were out of order. They knew that this was not the order of the Lord, but perhaps they smelled the fragrance and it smelled the same. Or maybe they just thought that no one would care or notice and indeed No one did notice. No one around them, according to scripture, ever took issue with it. But when they journeyed toward the holy place, a fire from the Lord, we're not told where it came from, but just a fire from the Lord devoured them. It burned them up. The best minds of Jewish Hebrew scholars point to the case they would call familiarity. Just too close to the leader, too comfortable with the process, too nonchalant in order to care, too little reference and too much indifference. Why go through all the trouble with coals? Why do all that work? No one will care where the fire comes from as long as the incense smells the same. So order and obedience and structure were all dismissed for the sake of convenience and ease. Sure, No one probably noticed. Who would know? You're walking around. You got the right clothes on. 
you got the right sash, you have the right ornaments, all the colors look right, it's the same sensor that you had yesterday, the smell emanating from that smells the same, no one would ever know, look the same, smell the same, walk the same, talk the same, but that's never been the question whether people noticed. The question is whether God noticed. And God took issues. Not whether not your brother took issue. Because your brother may approve of you. <laughs> or as Peter and John said, shall we hearken unto men or to God? You decide. Oh. Uh, I can already feel it. You should have taken a snow day. Oh, Jesus, help me. It's not with the fragrance. God didn't take issue with the fragrance. He made no distinction in the smell. He took issue with the fire and the lack of obedience to to his commandments. And I quote, as he commanded. Yes, it smells the same. It looks the same. Their gait, uh, the way they carry themselves, the conversation, the appropriate garments which separated them from all the rest of the congregation of the people, both inside and outside. All of it was the same. All but the source of the fire. The source of the flame was different. The smoke rising from those small windows in their censers held the aroma like all the other times. It matched the same aroma throughout the whole tabernacle. It was the designated scent But God, watch now, saw the means by which it came. And God judged them and called it strange fire. Because to God, the end never justifies the means. He's not after the result. Oh, man. He'll give you the result. He's after your obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what Samuel said to King Saul. Religious people will say, it doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter how you worship the Lord. It doesn't matter what method of baptism you have or what you say when people are baptized. Just as long as you love the Lord. I've heard that hundreds and hundreds of times. I stood in, I stood in, the, in, in the line of MCL and a lady turned to me and recognized me. And, and right off the bat, she just said, you know, it doesn't matter where we go to church. And I just smiled and I thought, mm, okay. But she wouldn't stop there. She said, it's all, it's all in your heart. Just whatever's in your heart, your heart, it's what's in your heart that counts. And God only looks at the heart. And, and, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, you don't know anything. I, didn't, I, I did not want to talk about it. I knew I wasn't going to convince her. I just want the Brussels sprout. I already knew what I wanted. I, I, want, I want the chicken with the stuffed thing. I want the little bit of gravy on there. And, and I want to sneak a pumpkin pie before Tammy looks. What is this woman telling me? She just starts off saying, it doesn't matter where you go to church. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you have no idea. You don't even, you have a loose affiliation with the scripture. Because you'd rather think that the end is okay. It doesn't matter that God is just flipping. He don't care how we live. And he don't care about his already spoken word. I, I got a little word for her and for everybody else who thinks that. He's looking everywhere you are. And if your heart's not obedient to God, it does matter. 
Paul said, I am amazed. In fact, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace unto another gospel. But there be no other gospel. You perverted the gospel. So to Paul, it mattered. It mattered how you baptized. It mattered how you were filled with the Holy Ghost. It mattered how you lived your life. And to God, it matters. Now, now to other people, it may not matter because, you know, we know how to do this thing. So people ride on intentions. I feel it. Let me just skip ahead a few centuries. I'll stare down the lifeless body of a man named Yuza. David has taken Jerusalem. It's a great day. But he's desperate to recover the Ark of the Covenant because Jerusalem is going to mean so much more when the Ark of the Covenant, God, is back in Jerusalem. In all the years of his predecessor, no one went after the Ark. They all knew where it was, but that's what happens when government replaces godly principles. Yeah. <laughs> Are you all, it's, what's happening out there? Yeah, people rely upon the king. That's government. People look to the king to provide for them rather than follow the principles of a disciplined lifestyle unto the Lord. Because we would rather the government, whatever government, to tell us how to live instead of yearning after God. And the government can be in the church too. Uh-oh. rut <laughs> Oh, well, you didn't tell me I couldn't do that. Well, did you ever spend any time with God? Did you ever ask the Lord whether you should go there or do that or date him or marry her or take on that job? Did you ever spend a little one moment with the Lord? Did you ever go to the prayer room? Well, I was just waiting for someone to tell me. Well, the Lord's ready to tell you. I never saw that in a handbook. We don't have a handbook how to get to heaven. But I do know there is one book. I didn't write it, but you better get in the book. Well, all right. I know I provoked that clap. Mm -hmm. David said, we got to go get the ark. They bring the ark. It's an amazing thing. They're going to go get the ark. He wanted it back home. So he immediately went to the house of Abinadab who had kept the ark for 20 years. The last 20 years it had been in the house of Abinadab. They all knew where it was. Two decades, Israel's national treasure, the embodiment of Yahweh, resided in the home and the residence of Abinadab. 20 years, incredible. Abinadab's family literally grew up with the Ark around them, the Ark of the Covenant. They, they, they grew up with it. It was visible. It was recognizable. It was accessible. But as David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, here it is, I'll read it. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Yuza put forth his hand to the Ark of the Covenant. Yuza is Abinadab's son. Yuza grew up around it. He took hold of it for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Yuza. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the Ark of the Covenant. Now you can say that Yuza was just trying to steady it so it wouldn't fall down. But God commanded that no one was to touch it. You can tell me that Yuza had good intentions, yes. And you would join the written displeasure of King David. If you say that, 
You're joining David, who the Bible says he was displeased because the Lord made a breach upon Uzzah. We can all be bewildered. David was clueless. He had no idea why his personal efforts were thwarted by the intentions of a man who was just trying to keep the ark of God from falling to the ground. He was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and David did not know why. I'll tell you why. Because our intentions are never greater than God's commandment. You can't intend your way into power. You can't intend your way into heaven. You cannot intend your way into into Holy Ghost. Yuzad had become familiar. He knew that. He's seen that for years, all of his life. It was nothing new to him. And it was nothing for him when it was shaking to, to hold on to God's anointed vessel. He thought it a small thing to put his hands on something that God had ordained for the salvation of the nation. Day after day, the ark was seen. He passed by it. He looked at it. He became familiar with it. Year after year, it was known to him and to the whole family. The numbness of that repetitive scene stained the mind of Uzzah until all the awe was gone. The awe, the wonder was gone. It was just another thing in the house. He had seen it too many times so that his approach became casual. Paul once told the church, and let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I read this as a child and I wondered, how can people get weary in well-doing? How do people get tired of doing well? What leads them? What leads us to become worn out of doing the right thing? Just familiar over and over. The repetitive thing to finally the awe is gone. We walk into a place and we don't even realize God is in this room. The Lord is with us. Someone's life has just been changed today. Before you got back to your seat, a a whole destiny has just been rearranged. We're just going about our business thinking it's just another Sunday. But what you don't know is somebody was just saved from hell's fire. Well, what you don't know is someone got some encouragement and it was a, a, a crossroads of decision. We don't know that because we don't recognize what's happening, but all around us on this very Sunday, somebody's destiny just was changed from death to life. And so because we keep coming back again and again, we're losing the awe of what the Lord, this is a holy place of God, dedicated to the things of the Lord, and the Lord abides with us. I'll tell you why we get weary. It's the pressing of the world. That's called worldliness. It's all over. Worldliness is all over. Here's another thing. It's the spirit of the age. That's the combination of humanism and demonic spirits. It's all over. It's the twisted view of God's word, false prophets and false teachers and false brethren. And let me just dig a little deeper since I'm here with my shovel. (laughs) Perhaps it's the made up, conjured up, imitation, replacement fire that looks the same. The difference is it has no power and God knows the difference and so does the enemy. So you can have dress up church, people walking around acting like they have a word from God all the while. They have no recognized authority over them and no personal constraint and no submission. That's a made up fire, does nothing, smells the same, look the same, but you got no power. 
custom outfitted folk with no Holy Ghost, no power, just motions. And some people have perfected the motion so well, they believe in their motions. And it's really, it's not motion, it's commotion. Clap, clap, raise, raise, sit down, say yes, no. I'm going to tell you, you better get this right. It's either real Pentecost, like the, like, like the image of Acts 2.30, Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 3, where cloven tongues fell like fire, or what you're doing is just a learned behavior. And I'm not in the learned behavior. I don't want to learn how to do Pentecost, and I don't want to learn how to have church, and I don't want to learn how to clap my hands, and I don't want to learn how to go through the motion. i got to have a real fire of the Holy Ghost. We all better come to understand that showmanship religions are attractive to people who reject accountability. <laughs> and if, that, if that's you, just know you aren't special. Your intentions won't save anyone. And you're in a long line of confused people. Get out of the line. Stop waiting in that line. You got to have a real walk with God. We have to be real apostolics in a world that's dark. We need to have some real light. We need to have fresh fire, real fire. Don't be trying to conjure up your own thing. We got to have real Holy Ghost and real fire. We got something that breaks the yoke of the addictions that are running amok in our city, in our area. We got to have real Holy Ghost that when we lay hands on somebody, the very things that bind them, the drug addictions, the alcohol addictions, the demons that, that disturb them, that they fall off. I'm talking about laying hands on people and praying in the name of Jesus. And cancer is removed in a moment. So the doctors are scratching their head because one image and another image don't match up and they say there must have been a mistake and we get to say no that was the Lord that was on a Sunday somebody said in Jesus name I'm not preaching about just having another church service I'm preaching about a Holy Ghost revival I'm preaching about something that changes our life it's got to be real fire it's got to be fresh fire it's got to be a Holy Ghost fire And if you want that, the real thing, you won't find it living a casual life. <laughs> you won't find it doing some of the Bible, but not all. You're not going to find real power negotiating with the scripture and the pulpit. <laughs> if you want the real fire... Let me, let me tell you, casual Christianity, it, it may appease your guilt, but it won't defeat the spiritual darkness that's enveloping the world. And to those who are so arrogant to think that you could steady the thing that God built, I want you to look around because there's a judgment at your feet. You can put your hand on what God ordained. Careful. That'll come at the cost of a lot of people around you. Let me just say, if God wants something to fall, you're never going to keep it standing. If he wants something to fall, you let it fall. If it's fallen, don't you know God can suspend it in midair if he wants? 
but you just keep your hands to yourself. That's what they told me on the bus. <laughs> keep your hands to yourself. I'm, I'm talking about the church bus. <laughs> my, my mom said. <laughs> yeah. And if God wants something to stand, if he wants something to exist, there's a, I'm going to tell you, there's a hundred reasons why this place shouldn't be here. That none of us should be here. And there's more reasons why none of us should be here than this thing should be here. You combine it all, man, it is amazing that, that we're even here and that we're even in this place. And we're even shouting and praising God. There's a lot of reasons why we shouldn't. There's one reason why we should. There's a right, lot of reasons why we shouldn't, but there's one reason why we should. I'm going to tell you about the reason. He is the reason. He is the joy. He is the help. He is the salvation. He is the rejoicing. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. There's only one reason why. If God wants something to stand, well, let me just quote the Pharisee named Gamaliel, a brilliant man. He said in Acts 5, 39, you all trying to stop this, trying to take down these men, these disciples. If, if it's not right, it'll fade away. We've seen that before. He said it. We've seen that before. He pointed out a man who had 400 followers, talked about him. But that kind of went by the wayside. He said, however, but if it be of God, you can't overthrow it. Lest happily he be found to get in a boxing match with the Lord. You're going to lose every time. If God wants something to exist and stand, you can't take it down. Or, or if you think you can, you're just going to fight against God. Be my guest. He's never lost a battle, and he's never been defeated, especially by his own creation. And if God wants something to stand, he's going to let it stand. If he wants something to fall, it's going to come down. My job is not to hold it up. Or tear it down. My job is just to be obedient to the word. And I'm going to climb on top of that altar. And whatever it takes, I'm going to get the coals of fire. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to put that fresh fire in my prayer. Hear me. We can ill afford to lose this real, genuine, revival spirit where the Holy Ghost falls. And people speak with other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance. Just for it. For everyone's knowledge here, we do not, we've got a lot of classes. We've got first uh, steps class. We've got, we've got a doctrine class. We've got morning manna, the longest running adult class, uh, Bible class in our, in, our, um, in our church. It's amazing. Uh, the continuity of that, the scriptures, line by line. We have, well, there's one class we don't have. That, that is how or how to speak in tongues. We don't have the how to speak in tongues class. We don't teach that. And that little nasty doctrine has been floating around people because they blab out a whole bunch of words and put string them together and say a whole bunch of nonsense. That's not the Holy Ghost. Hey, you can recite every Japanese motorcycle as quick as you can. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is given by the utterance of of the spirit God gives the utterance God speaks through you and when you get it you're going to know it because it's not just a language it's a spirit it's a fire burn. it's a fresh fire burning up out of you I don't want a fake religion I want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost where the spirit gives the utterance 
but the daily duties of reading the scripture and a day of fasting. Oh, man. I never was so hungry than when I started my fast. Why am I hungry? Pre-planned hunger. Premeditated hunger. That happens on the night before you start the fast when you can't eat. And you think, I haven't had a pizza in a long time. I'm going to eat it now. Like Cinderella, 1150, before the clock strikes midnight, you're standing at the refrigerator (laughs) thinking, I got to bulk up. I never ate so many pickles in my life, but that's all that was left. Man. Pastor called another fast, walking around, hiding. Over and over, it's a little laborious. Prayer time again. We're going to have Sunday night prayer, the first Sunday night of of February. Mm-hmm. We're going to have prayer time every sun, first Sunday of every month again. They're telling us to go to Bible class again. We're supposed to read our Bible every day. The redundancy of it, repetitive thing of it. I'm going to tell you, it'll keep you. How? It's going to keep your mind. It'll keep your emotions in check. And then it's going to keep your home and your family and your relationships. It will insulate you from the vain philosophies that are an infection around the world. So go back again and reach into the altar today and take out that coal. Labor at the altar if you must. I've done it in my prayer time. I'm I've even been at this altar and the other altars and knelt down. I didn't feel it. It took me a while to work on it until I brought my brain into the frame of mind that I needed to get a hold of the Lord. I had to press through. The devil loves to remind me of everything I haven't done when I get down to pray. I can't remember anything, but when I get down to pray, I remember everything. I remember where my keys are, my wallet is. I didn't get the oil changed, so I just bring a notepad and thank the devil (laughs) for helping me with my to-do list. And then I get on with God because i got to get into the holy of holies. I've got to get in touch with the Lord. i got to get some fresh fire. i got to get some burning flame in me because I've got to walk around. I can't just make it up everywhere else because when I stand in this pulpit, I'm coming with fire from the Lord. I don't want the smell to be right and the clothes to be right. I've got to have the fire to be right. Uh, I'm, I'm into my prayer time, and this is what the Lord put in my spirit. That repetitive righteousness, which is just mean doing right, it becomes mundane. It can become mundane over time. But we have to think that the outcome, ladies and gentlemen, the outcome 
is not nearly as important than the submission. If I can get the submission right, I don't have to worry about the outcome. And so if you have to reset yourself today, this is the day to do it. You're going to reset something right now. Your commitment is about to take a drastic turn for the better. I I don't know. This is what the Lord pressed in my spirit. I don't know how he talks to you. He pressed this in my spirit last night in prayer here at this altar. He said to me, and I just felt it in my brain, go tell the people to go back to their groan. And go back to their shout. And if they haven't danced in a while, tell them, go back to the dance. And if they need to leap, then they need to leap. Tell them to reach for me like the first time they reached for me. I feel it in my spirit today. Shout out now and grow now and leap now and dance now. The emotion will come after your action is taken. But if you're waiting on the emotion, then you're waiting for a false sense. But your obedience to God is primary. I don't feel it. Well, listen, you don't have to feel it. You get up and go to work because you know that you know you have to do that if you're going to be submissive because the outcome will take care of itself, but you got to be submissive. And so if you'll just do right right now and reset your life right now, something's going to come out of that and God will orchestrate the outcome. So keep your fire fresh and keep your praise real. Keep it real. Come on, get real. Please don't be a fake. Get real. When you lift your hands to God, even if the preacher said, let's lift our hands to God, forget about that he asked you. Just lift your hands to God and say, I need you, Lord. Keep it real. Now, keeping it real does not mean that you don't respond. I'm just real. I don't do that. What? You're not real. You're a dud. Haven't we gone over that last week? You were made to praise. You were made to worship. You were made to give God your best. You ought to praise him. If you don't feel it, praise him like you call out when you're about to have a car accident. I'm moving. I already feel a couple of the elderly ladies. I shouldn't say elderly. Some of the ladies seasoned are already interceding for me right now. You don't have to moan for me. I just want you to know I'm okay. I'm okay. I know I, I hear you because this is what my mom used to do to my dad. Oh, Jesus, help him, Lord. He did help him. That's why he's preaching. But you're making everybody nervous like he's out there on his own. <laughs> I'm not. I'm in the book. I've been in the book all morning. I got two cats. They're, they're burned up, ashes. In fact, Moses said, I don't even want you to cry. Carry them out. Don't weep. Don't leave here. Don't mourn. Don't have a ceremony. My word's more important than your emotion. My word's more, your obedience is more important than your sad 
epitaph. You got to get it right because we're going to have a real God and we're going to have a real religion and we're going to have a real apostolic doctrine and we're going to have a real church and we're going to have real signs and wonders and miracles and Holy Ghost revival because we're going to have real fire. Here's the last thing the Lord told me. I don't know how this happens. He just said, Tell the people that the reward is worth the process. So you had to clean up again? All right. You had to repent again? That's fine. You have to reset your life today? Go ahead and do it. It's worth the process. And if you're going to go through another trial or you're in another trial, I got a little scripture for you. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trial, which is the trial. It's so some, some strange thing happened to you. It's not, it's not strange, but we just rejoice in so much you are partakers of Christ's suffering that when his glory shall be revealed, you're going to be glad with exceeding great joy. I'm preaching today about fresh fire, about a real Holy Ghost and a real God. I'm talking about real deliverance in your life. I'm not talking about walking away and still struggling. I'm talking about getting rid of everything. Coals from the altar will do that. I'm not talking about a made-up religion and just looking good when you come to church. I'm talking about feeling right because you know you're right. You can give off the right fragrance and fool everybody, but you can't fool God. You can't fool the devil, and you're still going to walk away all bound and messed up. But that's not what we want here today. We want a real deliverance in the Holy Ghost. I want a real, I want a real deliverance in the Holy Ghost. So groan if you have to and shout if you need to and leap again if you have to and cry out again if you want to because the Lord is in the house. Get your groan back. Get your shout back. Get your fervency back. Come on, recover your commitment and your devotion. Oh, oh. Just say it to the Lord. Lord, I want to be genuine with you. I want to be real with you, Lord. I want to be real with you, Lord. Just say, forgive me, Lord, of putting on an air. Forgive me of putting on something I knew wasn't right. Forgive me of going through the motion. Because when I praise you, I want to be thinking about you. And when I sing of you, Lord, I want to do more than just repeating the words to a song. And when I jump and shout and dance and leap, it's because I'm giving you my whole body and my whole mind and my whole heart. Yeah. Now I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would set somebody free right now. I pray in the name of Jesus, set them free. Unloose the chains and the binds that bind them and the, and the ropes and the addictions and the mindset and the anxiety and the depression.
if you're at home watching or you're in live stream watching or you're watching this later, don't reach toward the screen, but just reach up to God wherever you are. Turn, even turn yourself to a wall and just reach up to God and just say, I need you, Lord. Help me. Help me. Help me have a real genuine walk with you, Lord. Lord, help me feel your spirit. Cry out to God wherever, you, wherever you're sitting or wherever you're standing. Know that the Lord, he is God. I know that you are God. I know you see deep inside of me, Lord. Help me my, with my obedience, Lord. your word. Uh, I want to hear your voice. I embrace the process, Lord, and the living and the daily duties and disciplines. I'm embracing it today. Yes. Come on, everybody. Let's make this house a great big house of worship. Worshipers. 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 I worship you, Lord.